Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. I'm really excited about today's guest. Well, I am too, mainly because I know him really well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited because when I grew up as a child, all I ever wanted to be was famous. And now you are because you have been on Sky News Mm-hmm. And you've been published in the Courier Mail. Mm-hmm. I have. I, I still don't think I'm famous. And I say that with a uh on the end because, like, <laughs> how the did you do that? I just got lucky, really. Yeah. I guess. I, I don't, don't know. So. Got lucky. But see, and but that's... I wanted to be super famous. I wanted to be like a movie star. Ah. Mm. No, that doesn't interest me. I have to no? memorise too many lines. I love that stuff. I can eat that up for breakfast. I can't oh. remember my birthday, but I can remember lines. <laughs> well, my beautiful wife has only just managed to remember my phone number. so. But she doesn't need to know your phone number. It's yeah. in her phone. That's that's more a symptom of technology than it is about uh, yeah, I think her so. memory. So my wife's amazing. So we have a, your wife is amazing. I will also agree on that point. She has to be I to am. be married to me. <laughs> yeah, she really does. And to put up with your dad jokes. Hey, my dad jokes are good. Anyway, <laughs> moving on from that. So you are kind of famous. You've been on Sky News. You've been in the Courier Mail. I've uh, I've appeared on Two UE Radio Sydney and ABC Perth, uh, giving comment. Um, I've been published in a bunch of industry publications, and I know you have too. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I are probably a bit used to that sort of stuff. Yes. And so today's guest is way more of an expert than you and I are. Mm-hmm. In that, um, he's a, he's actually a mate of mine. He's a CrossFit mate of mine, um, and he happens to be the sports editor for the Toowoomba Chronicle, which is one of the biggest regional newspapers in Australia, actually. Yes. Um, and he has a long career as a journalist. He's worked his way up. And uh, Gibbo and I were chatting recently, which gave me the idea to get him on the show about stories and digital subscribers and, you know, how to get people engaged, basically. So I thought, well, who better to ask than a journalist? So let's do it. So they're the ones that write all this stuff. Well, I guess we should go straight to the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so good episode today. Good mate of mine. I thought it was a good chat. Um, and uh, stick around to the end because there's some funny stuff. G'day and welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast. With me was and me Nick. Hey Nick, how you going? Well, how are you was? Good, thanks. We're doing another one of these weird ones. <laughs> I don't not, like not because today's be guest honest. is weird. That would be a bit unkind. Um, <laughs> but you're in the Brisbane studio and I'm in the Toowoomba studio. Gosh, that sounds professional, doesn't it? I know. I love that we've accelerated our business to the point that we have two studios now. <laughs> Yours is a much better looking studio than mine And mine gets really (laughs) hot I have to turn the fan off Otherwise it makes a weird noise on the podcast Uh, Absolutely Anyway, on the show today We have I'm pretty excited about 
today's chat. Um, he's currently sitting in my studio looking at the side of my head so I can look at you on the video. <laughs> but um, but we're joined by a man who sometimes goes by the name of Jason Gibbs. Am I allowed to use that real name, Jason? Oh, you can, but I don't think the average punter that knows me is going to know uh, who you're talking about. So. It, it feels weird <laughs> referring to you as Jason, but uh, welcome to the show, Gibbo. Yeah, thanks, mate. Really uh, happy to be here and, and having a chat today. Now, I know Gibbo from CrossFit. So we're, uh, we're fellow CrossFitters, and um, I have the pleasure. I'm actually still wearing my coach shirt today. I'm the Friday morning guy these days, so I actually get to make Gibbo's life miserable some Fridays <laughs> when he comes in and I'm coach on deck. But, uh, but we're not talking about CrossFit today, which is unusual for CrossFitters. It is, so yes. <laughs> I bet it finds a way into the conversation. Oh, it's generally a, a core topic. Uh, yes. Lots of, lots of stories from CrossFit. And that's really what I wanted um, Gibbo to come and talk to us about today, Jason, um, is stories and the media. Because um, I'm going to let you intro yourself, Jason, and while I bash the mic, stand there and give everyone <laughs> a headache. So t- can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself, mate? Who are you? What do you do? And what the hell are you doing here? Well, as you said, my name's Jason Gibbs, but the majority of people know me as, as Gibbo, uh, especially my best friends. If you ask for Jason, they won't have a single clue who you're talking about. But uh, my profession, I've been a journalist for 15 years, um, and I've covered everything in, in that time. I cut my teeth at uh, King Arroy as a cadet out there, uh, looking after the agricultural rounds when I first started off, so a lot of farming and cattle, even uh, even red claw, I think they call it out there, which is crayfish. There's a couple of big huh. farms out there that they used to uh, where they used to grow that kind of stuff near the um, uh, near the dams, and then they ship it off all around Queensland to be to be sold in seafood restaurants. But wow. uh, yeah, out there, agriculture, farming. Did some pretty big court stories when um, we had a armor guard get robbed by some guys with some big shotguns. Would have been big news in uh, it was K Town, mate. It was big news. Unfortunately, I missed it all going down. It was only about a hundred meters away from my house. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, wasn't it? It wasn't, wasn't your neighbour or something, was it? No, it wasn't. It was a couple of young blokes from out the back of nowhere. Yeah, right. Uh, also did a lot of sport and um, more recently, you know, I've, I've moved back to Toowoomba, my hometown, and I'm now the sports editor at the Toowoomba Chronicle where I'm covering everything from local under-six football to some of our big-name stars that are, you know, making splashes on the uh, on the world stage. So, Gibbo, tell me what's the difference between an editor and a journalist? And do I even have the technology or the terminology right? You do have the terminology right. Uh, the big difference, I guess, is that I get to work with a little bit of a team. As a sports editor, um, you know, I'm left to my own devices to an extent, um, but I have a, a team of two. And, I mean, I guess professionally, I consider myself to be no more superior than the two guys that I've um, got working underneath me. But the big thing is I come in and they throw some story ideas at me and I pick and choose what we want to get into the next day's paper. And then we talk about a few things like um, obviously our internet presence has increased a lot in the last few years. So it's Mm -hmm. not just pure print and photos anymore. 
we're looking at audio and uh, video that we put online so the story that you see in the paper might be a little bit different to the one that we have online because we have those mm -hmm. extra elements and that's part of my job as well i might say to um, either of my journalists that work underneath me let's grab a video at that interview or you know why don't we do a little bit of audio and in those cases it's pretty much just recording what we're asking the the talent or the person that we're speaking to sure. and we put that up online with a video and an audio but it, it's the big difference is that coordination thing i have a team and i work with them to you know set deadlines and priorities and and things like that so mate uh just jumping in there and, and cutting my co-host off <laughs> what would you be doing if you weren't doing this what would i be doing if i'm not doing this i'd, I'd like to think that i'd still be writing in in some capacity uh that was a passion when i went through high school i always dreamed of of being a teacher but i actually had a year 10 english teacher that told me no that's not you oh uh, wow what she, was that based on oh basically i, I think Were you shit at english or what no no it was um <laughs> you know like i said I, I wanted to be a teacher but um but she sort of said to me once she'd cracked the shell a little bit because I was a little bit resistant in, in year 10, 11 and 12, she said, you're a great writer. That's where you need to focus your energies. Um, and for me, she was she was pretty inspiring in terms of like the passion she had for teaching and directing people in the right direction, I guess. So when she suggested that to me, I thought, you know, this makes a bit of sense. I do enjoy writing and that sort of, you know, it, it progressed from there. I went off to uni, did three years and, well, I did two and a half. And I got a job before I graduated and, and wrote off the last six months through on-the-job learning, basically. Now, I have to ask, mate, uh, we were talking before we hit record about um, you've done a little bit of podcasting, you've dabbled a little bit uh, and you were talking about, because you're a self-confessed geek, aren't you? Your Instagram profile <laughs> is geek who lifts because uh, you love to lift heavy shit with uh, with the rest of us at the gym. But, um, mate, when did the fascination, or maybe I should call it an obsession, with uh, comics and comic characters and all that start? Um, it was at a pretty young age. I grew up watching Doctor Who with my dad. Uh, much to my mother's disgust because <laughs> I was actually talking about this to someone the other day. Um, I was baptised, I, I guess, a little bit later than, than some people. And uh, I was pretty convinced through my you know extensive dealings with Doctor Who that the priest at the time was, was trying to mind control me with the, with the holy water. <laughs> so I kind of put up a little bit of a fight there and, yeah. and mum blamed it on dad let me watch Doctor Who. <laughs> um, and the other thing, uh, my father was in the army for 20 years as, a, as an aircraft fitter and every single pilot uh, at the Oki Army base read Phantom Comics. So after they'd read them, wow. Dad would collect them up and he would bring them home and I would read them. So that was from probably age six or seven that I was reading Phantom Comics because Dad sort of thought, well, when you look at the old comics from from back then, even the Phantom Comics now, they're probably really sort of, I guess, age-appropriate sort of in that there's no swearing, there's no, no, mm. no 
over-the-top violence, you know. You might see him shoot somebody, but you don't see any blood or anything like mm. that. Yep. So, you know, that was a really young age, Doctor Who and, and Phantom and Phantoms. And it just progressed from, from there to a, my wife might say, unhealthy obsession. <laughs> <laughs> I think she supports a little bit, though, doesn't she, mate? She does. Or encourages it. She's an enabler. That's how I'd describe yes, your wife. Yes, that's right. Yeah, last year, actually, I mean... This one was pretty. This week was pretty sad for me with the passing of of Stan Lee. But uh, it was almost a, a year ago, a year ago Sunday, just gone that um, she paid for me to go down to Supernova in Brisbane, which is a big oh, wow. comic book and geek fest, and she paid for me to see Stan Lee and get his autograph. So I've got a, a Spider Man seven hundred issue uh, signed. By Stan Lee, and I got to sort of be from from me to you away from from arguably one of the greatest creative minds in my world, at least. So it and, was pretty and special. Just, cool. just in case uh, there's some listeners going, who is Stan Lee? <laughs> Can you explain just briefly? I know this probably feels painful for you, Gibbo, but um, who's Stan Lee? S- Stan Lee's the creator of Marvel Comics, so um, he created characters like Spider Man, the Hulk. Uh, Fantastic Four, the X-Men, um, any of your Marvel movies that you see nowadays, that's all sort of Stan Lee's, you know, uh, I guess his characters, his mm. universe that he helped create as as the head of Marvel Comics. So, mate, it's, it's not a bad segue into something that I really wanted to pick your brain on today, and that is this whole thing of storytelling and... And I guess, you know, part of our aim at Tradies in Business is to relate this back to being a tradie in business. But it's something that, I mean, we chat at the gym a bit and, you know, we talk about your work and mine and we talk about CrossFit and all sorts of stuff. But it struck me that in a conversation we were having the other day, part of, and this is not, um, I guess, you know, pulling the curtains back that on anything that people wouldn't already know, but putting stories in the paper is about getting readership right and mm-hmm. and subscribers and then getting them to you know look at ads and give advertisers results or pay for subscriptions or whatever right it's a business model but it's all based around storytelling and and i thought this is exactly the sort of stuff that tradies could do well to understand is using stories in their business to actually engage customers either you know past present or future um, so that's something I really wanted to talk about. But is that is that right? Like, am I barking up the wrong tree here, mate? Or are you guys, you know, are you scientists or storytellers or do you just make shit up? Like, you know, what is, I guess, that whole journalistic um, industry and, and what's the basis of it? It's it's about storytelling We we and informing our readers. We want to uh, give them something that they wouldn't normally know about or they wouldn't normally have access to. And, you know, that's that's what, you know, how we do that. We do that through through telling stories, interviewing people. Um, you know, if you're not a if you're not in those circles, you might not necessarily know about what tradies do or what uh, you know, a, a groundbreaking scientist at a local hospital does. So we seek out those stories and we put them in the paper so that people who aren't in those specific circles can find something new and and interesting. Gibbo, do you think that the way that you share a story has changed over the course of your career in that we now have 
social media that we need to think about. We now have websites that we need to think about and the newspaper. So all those areas to provide content to are very valuable. Do you think that that has changed the way perhaps even that you write in some cases? Oh, most most assuredly. Uh, we, We used to, when I was in university, we wrote on like an inverted pyramid style of of um you know plotting things out so basically you had all your big important points right there in the first paragraph and as you worked through the story things got less important um and Mm. and i guess less for want of a better word imaginative but um so the theory being that you you hooked them right at the beginning you told them all the things that you needed to tell them and if they happen to get to the bottom, well, they get to the bottom. But the idea also being that if a sub-editor needed to come through and, and cut the story because something else has come up that would break, you'd just cut it from the bottom of the story because that's where where the less important things are. But now our, our goal when we're writing is actually to draw the reader into the story. We want to tell them more of a, I guess, uh, it's it's still factual, um, what we're doing, but it's a little bit more like a traditional book in that you're trying to get them into the story and to enjoy what they're reading. So it's, you know, sort of drip feeding them a little bit as the story goes, you know, deeper. So mm-hmm. that that's getting into a question that I have made is what makes a good story? Like, and, and I guess, you know, thinking about, a tradie listening to this as someone who's got a business they're dealing with customers listeners you might be thinking what the hell has this got to do with marketing my trade business but the reality is that humans love stories i mean netflix is massive because we love a good story and we love drama and all that sort of stuff we're addicted to it but what makes a good story is there a structure to it or is it just like does it just happen it, what makes a good story i think is is the information that you've got in it if we're talking about tradies, uh, you've got to find that unique selling point for you. Often we'll speak to people if it's in relation to some kind of business and they always say that, you know, no job is too big or too small. Uh, you know, we... we, we <laughs> I'm cringing as you say yeah, that, mate. <laughs> we give 100% and, you know, our our workmanship is, is, you know, the best quality around. But that is something I guess that you could argue every single business has as their core. So what you need to do, I think, is sell what is unique about you. And that's not the quality of your work unless we're talking about something that's like, you know, um, there's actually a few leather companies here in Toowoomba that um, have met the standards so that they can put their leather seats into um, some pretty high-end European sports cars, Um, you know, so they sell their leather on. That kind of standard is obviously quite a unique point about their business, but, Mm. you know, when when you're saying no job is too big or too small or, you know, we, we give 100%, we could argue that that's the same for every single business. So you've got to find what's unique about you and make that your selling point. And that's where the good stories come from, those unique traits and, you know, quirky little bits of information. So do you think there's any value to um, 
creating a story about who you are in the business. So sharing more about who you are, how you came to be in your trade business, why you're a tradie, why you do what you do. I think there's certainly um, some value to that because, you know, in, in my dealings with tradies, I'm often sort of sold on the vibe that I get from that person. Um, if I'm not sort of feeling something between me and them, uh, I'll tend to look somewhere else. Yes. And, you know, and that to me, you know, some people are just worried about cost. But for me, I'm looking at who they are as a person. You know, I've had the same mechanic for 20 years and mm-hmm. we found him because um, a friend recommended my dad to him. And uh, we went there, kicked off with the guy straight away and just went, yep, this is a guy that we want. Um, you know, he charges us a little bit more than some people, but he's a great bloke. We know the work and, you know, he's got a really cool story as well. So so you've just touched on something, Gibbo, that, that we hear from tradies all the time and they tell us all the time that clients are shopping on price. And I don't agree. Yep, I do believe that there are. there's a section of the community that's shopping on price, mm-hmm. but I believe that most of the community are actually shopping on a con- connection or an engagement that they've had with a business and that's how they're making their choices. And you've just, to me, said exactly that in that you said that your mechanic charges a little bit more, but you have that connection with him. And that is, in my opinion, very easy to build with a story, telling your story, telling people who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, exactly right. Like I said, I think you know, we want to know more. We we want to know that who we're dealing with is mm-hmm. is not just sort of like a, a corporate face or a, a you know a, a copied sort of entity. I think you you want that connection, and that's where you know we come into our fore as as, as journalists. We we want to build that connection between our readership and the greater community that we sort of, you know, share our, our papers with. So I, I've i done a couple of courses over the years about, you know, how to get in the paper or onto radio and how to deal with the media. It's like they almost paint and they're, and they're usually run by ex-journos or contributors that almost paint the media as this monster that you've got to tame and, and figure out how to you know, pander to it to be able to to go and swim in that pond with all these sharky journalists that are going to eat you up, you know. Um, you don't seem like one of those people, mate. I mean, I have seen you get pretty angry at the gym occasionally when you're doing some heavy back squats. Uh, but is is it that hard to deal with the media? Like, are you guys really that hard to talk to and to maybe get a story in your local paper about sanitation issues or the latest planning development changes to the to the building code or whatever like is it that hard it's only as hard as you want to make it um you know i think everybody gets this impression i know particularly when i was uh first a cadet i'd always hear this joke oh be careful what you say around gibbo who'll write it down and become a story in the paper (laughs) and it's like not if i want to keep my job so you know and i've heard some people say some pretty dodgy things and i just go well no i'm just going to ignore that (laughs) because i want to keep my job but as I said, it's as hard as you want to make it. I think the key is you've got to be a fan of your local newspaper and that might mean buying the odd edition or subscribing online. That that does help. But um, in terms of getting a story, that's just so you know what they're about. You can see the big issues that your newspaper or your community 
deals with or, or follows. Um, the key, though, is just building a relationship with someone in your local news, be it paper, TV, if there's an online website or something like that. Um, find a personal connection. So, you know, for, for tradies, probably the easiest route there is to have a look if they've got a business section Find out who the who the journalist is that covers that round, and make yourself known to them. And then from there, you've got a basic an easy in. You know, we get um, thousands of emails to our general email account every day. We've got politicians, community groups, individuals, um, you know, organisations, all that kind of thing. But the key is building a personal relationship with someone in your in your news room and um, just doing the best that you can to to foster that relationship it might not pay off straight away you know you might ring up and say hey I want to get this story in the paper and they might sort of say look we don't have the room or you know it's not very newsworthy at this point in time but at least you've made yourself known and you're you know laying the groundwork for future future things so is the same can the same said be said, be said for in a big city right so I'm in Brisbane sure there's plenty of local papers but if I wanted a story to be picked up by Courier Mail or I thought that it should be on a larger scale I I I would imagine it's harder to make a personal connection with those journalists that well at least to me they appear to be dealing with so much stuff but maybe that's just a bit of a myth it, it is a little bit harder for something that's like for something like the Courier Mail because they are sort of looking at issues that are going to be relevant right across the board in terms of, um, you know, they're, they're not just dealing with Brisbane or, or sort of southeast Queensland. They're looking at Queensland as a whole. But, you know, it, it's still the same same principle, like make yourself known. And as I said, it might not happen straight away, but... If you're a if you're a plumber or if you're a you know a, a chippy or a electrician or, or whatever it is that you may do, make that connection, and it may pay off in the future. You know we often look at things like you know, uh, let's say a plumber for example. You know um, if you're known, you know six months down the track when some report comes out that says plumbers are the highest paid tradies in the business, there'll be a journalist that's going where's an easy to work with plumber let's mm. try and find someone and then they'll go oh i remember that guy spoke to me three months ago six months ago great bloke they'll jump on the phone to you and say you know if you're lucky sometimes it's a it's a bit of luck but they might jump on the phone and go we've got this report about plumbers are you willing to comment will you be in a photo and you know you, you've sort of got your uh got your break there it might not be a local issue but your name and your face is in the paper for something that you know could pay off in the future as well absolutely so jason that still feels weird mate uh is there a bit of a formula that that our listeners you know if, if they're thinking oh i've always wanted to comment on things or i feel like i'm i'm wanting to get something in the paper you know other than just paying for advertising um which is fine is there a bit of a formula that is more likely to catch the eye of someone like yourself, of, of one of the journalists, you know, whether it's the business editor or, or a business journal or someone like that? Again, it comes down to that, that relationship first and foremost, but also after that, 
One of the key things is being approachable. Um, often we'll ring up and we'll be trying to chase down a story and someone will say to you, oh, I'm only available between 10 and 10.15 today <laughs> and that's at 9.30. So you're trying to race out, grab a photographer and you're trying to you know, juggle all these other demands. Try and work with the media a little bit more. If you're approached by someone like someone, as best as you can, make yourself available and, and, and be cooperative. But in, in terms of giving yourself a better chance, I think that's that's the key, being, being approachable. But um, again, you know, if you're going to send an email or if you're going to have a chat to somebody, um, try and give them something back to that unique point. Make yourself sort of different. Make yourself stand out from anyone else that's going to ring up so you know that you leave a lasting impression on them Gibbo um, I've written a few press releases in my time are they still a, a great way for a business owner to communicate to the local media definitely we get press releases all the time and sometimes you look at them and you go wow that's like an easy well not a story that you put your byline on them, obviously, because it's something that someone else has read, uh, written, and it's their intellectual property, and, and we respect that. But, uh, you know, every now and then you'll get a, a press release and you'll look at it and you'll go, that's fantastic. You tell your editor that you've got a, a ready-made story that can slot straight into the paper tomorrow to fill whatever hole he needs. We work with that. Other times we'll look at it and go, this is the great sort of, you know, the bones of a great story. Mm -hmm. And as a journalist, you might think, but here's something that we can sort of pull out of that, that thread and, and work on that. So you might actually use it as a basis to, um, you know, create your own story that you think, you know, is a little bit uh, more unique. But yeah, it's certainly a way. We still get plenty of press releases. We still use them. The key with press releases, though, um, and again, this comes back to that relationship with your newspaper right to write to style so every newspaper has a, a, a way that they that they write um, for example all the group all the newspapers in my group we use about we don't use approximately uh, approximately ah. is a big ugly word that um, you know takes up a lot of space um, so we always use that um, we use noon instead of 12 noon a lot of Older people write 12 noon or 12 p.m. We just write noon. Um, and, you know, so one of the keys there, if you want your your um, press release to go straight into the paper or have a better chance, have a look at the style of the newspaper that you're sending it to. Um, because if I can look at it and see that it's ready to go and I can just slot it straight in, I'll go to my editor straight away and go, hey, look at this. This is this great press release from this guy down the road. It's ready to go. We can fill the hole and, and knock that over in, in five minutes. Nine times out of ten, they'll jump at that chance as long as it's a, a newsworthy, uh, unique story. So how do I get in contact with a journalist? If I've decided, okay, I've got something that I think is newsworthy or I'd like to form a relationship with the business writer in my local paper, how do I find them? Nine times out of ten, they should have their email address on their byline. So if you find one of their stories where they've got a byline on it, should have their name and then their their email straight underneath that. 
send them an email just introducing them introducing yourself ask if you can um you know maybe give them a call just as a bit of a follow-up um don't harass them though that's a big one there when we have people <laughs> ring up did you receive my email are you going to do anything with it it's like you know it, it's good to follow up and just sort of say hey did you get it but you know sure they'll um don't sort of keep bugging them forever and ever <laughs> um, but yeah that's probably the easiest way give them send them an email uh failing that ring through to the front desk of your newspaper and just ask if you can can speak to a business reporter uh, yep. If they're away from their desk, someone will pick up the phone because it usually gets bounced around the office until someone answers it and, um, you know, introduce yourself and, and sort of go from there. Sure. Is it is it actually worth it? Like, do people still read the newspaper? I mean, Nicole mentioned we've got social media and, and, you know, even newspapers now. We've got digital subscriptions and everything's online and we've got paywalls and all sorts of stuff. Like. Is it actually worth um, getting yourself in your local paper and developing those relationships? 20-odd years ago, when I was still at uni, just starting out at uni, um, my lecturer back then told me that newspapers had two to three years maximum left in them. And, you know, that was <laughs> that was back in the early early 2000s. Um, he said, "You know, they'll be they'll be gone by two thousand and five. We won't be reading newspapers anymore. It'll all be on. It'll all be digital, or we just won't be reading that kind of stuff anymore. You know, we'll have websites and blogs to look at things. So, I think it's worth it, mainly because, as I said, you know, that was something. My he was a, a very experienced uh, media man who had moved into uh, you know the the university circle. Um, so we're still here. Um, you know." It's not easy, or well, it's not hard, sorry, to find that um, some readerships, physical readerships, as in people that are buying a hard copy of the newspaper, are declining a little bit. But the growth in the digital market, so as I said before, anything we write in the newspaper appears online, usually appears online a little bit earlier than what it is in the uh, in the print copy. Um so our our digital readership is far outweighing any uh, sort of I guess stagnation or or loss of physical readership. So you know maybe in the traditional sense of picking up a newspaper, there might not be as many people reading. There's still a lot. Like I mean, our penetration here in Toowoomba is is second to none in terms of you know there's there's not too many people that aren't reading uh, a Chronicle. But um, there's people everywhere reading reading it online. So, and that's a really good point. It's it's easy to think that newspapers and books and all that sort of stuff are on the decline. And while the the format might be changing to be more online and digital, uh, people are still addicted to stories. You know, we're humans. We love a story. We love the drama and you know there's a local footy club here in in Toowoomba that's uh kind of done a bit of a phoenix and being rekindled and a bunch of locals getting on board and you know there's there's buzz around that stuff so it's definitely as you say Gibbo um the I think the fact that people will read stories um and that journalists will be collecting and collating and and distributing those stories that's probably not going to change anytime soon how that gets distributed is probably a little different. I think it's actually a great opportunity for, for tradies and for business people to get themselves online. 
you know, just get in their local paper and the reality is they end up online as well. Yeah, and, and look, as an aside, um, when we have, uh, you know, we've got a lot of readers that are creatures of habit, so they'll get up and they'll go and they'll buy the newspaper. They're not a subscriber as such in that they don't get it, like, delivered by their local news agents or by us, but they're always going down and, and buying the paper. Um, when those papers sell out at their local servo or their local corner store, it's not the corner store that gets the phone call. It's us that gets the phone call, <laughs> either from the corner store saying, you didn't give us enough papers, you know, you should have told us that there was a big cracking court case on tomorrow. Um, it's Or it's the, the, the buyers themselves saying, I can't find a paper anywhere. I wanted to read the paper today. So we still do get plenty of calls when, when the paper isn't there on the shelves or when it's delivered a little bit later for whatever reason, you know. That's usually me when my photo ends up in the social pages, like, i got to get a copy of the paper. <laughs> I want to see how bad I looked in that photo. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we still get that. But as I said, you know, things are changing. Um, the, the digital growth is, is massive and there's plenty of opportunities for us and, and the people that we're talking to. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to say at this point that um, our my career totally changed after a feature in the paper. Um, it was, I didn't go looking for it, I must be honest. I was really lucky and it came to me. But it, I, and this is just encouragement for tradies to think about finding a way into their local paper. It totally changed what I did. It went... Um, I can't even explain how big of a change it was. It Our company changed. We had more work after that one article than I could poke a stick at. I think we had more than 12 months worth of work and then we were having to turn people away. We It took my what was just a little blog and turned it into its own business. It's it, I was very fortunate to get that opportunity, but I now that's something I now um, look for whenever I possibly can because it just provides that credibility as well. I think that's something that we should all be looking to do as tradies is become experts in our field or experts in our niche and having something printed about us in the newspaper and then going online, it, it, it creates an opportunity for us to become that expert. So I, I just, I encourage people to give it a go. It doesn't hurt to have a phone call to your local uh, journalist and say, hey, and this is what I'm doing and, and just see if they're interested. Yeah, exactly. Because you can, you can then recycle that article that was published Absolutely. and you should be telling everybody about it. Post a, a image of that on face on your own social media channels, you know, find the digital, subscribe to the paper online, find the digital article and share the crap out of that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, that's, that's uh, showing that, you know, you had the wherewithal to actually get in the paper and there's still this perception that anybody seen in the media knows what they're talking about. And that's right. It's not entirely true. <laughs> As journalists too, we we encourage that that sharing. Um, every time I write a sports story for for my paper, I email it to the people that are involved in that story, and I ask them to share it on their Facebook page. I ask them to share it on Instagram. I ask them to put a link to it on their website. Um, you know, we're proud of our work that we're doing, and you know, we want to promote um, you know people in the community. So. It's actually something that we really encourage, you know, get it out there. Every time I go up to the cafe from work, uh, one of the one of the girls there, or she's related to the people that own it, uh, she's a footballer, she plays for the Brisbane Raw in the, in the W League. Every time I write a story, they 
clip it out, they contact it, they stick it on their wall. Makes me happy. Um, but everyone sort of walks past and they go, oh, wow, that's, you know, I didn't know that you were related to that girl that plays for the Brisbane Roar. And I think sometimes it might get them a little bit of extra coffee sales <laughs> because <laughs> they think that there's someone famous there. But, yeah, that's certainly something we encourage, sharing those links. You know, if we write a story about you, put it wherever you like. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, it'll, it'll, it helps you and it helps us as well. I know I've been into a number of businesses where, you know, they've had write-ups done on them in, in their local paper, whether it was, you know, they were finalist in a business award or they did something for a charity or they're, they're I don't know, they were broken into even, you know, um, and they have those clippings on the wall and I find myself as a consumer standing there actually looking at them and going, wow, these guys are, they're well known. You know, like there's just, there's still that perception. And, I, and even I know how the industry works. And I know how all that stuff works. And I still look at that and think, well, you know what? They put themselves out there. They were organized enough. They got the journos out or they contacted them or something. They must be a good business, right? They must know what they're doing. And it's just, there is that perception amongst uh, consumers, basically. Do you think on that, that is there any truth to the old adage that any publicity is good publicity? Well, it depends. depends if you're wearing clothes, I guess. Yeah, it depends. <laughs> depends which end of the scale you're on there. But um, exactly. Look, I, I think um, you know we can probably look at that and say there's a way that you can, I guess, shape things a little bit uh, in terms of if something you know, and, and you know, you, you don't obviously want wish this on anyone, but if something does go wrong, <laughs> you know if you're in trouble for something, um, whatever it may be. I personally think the worst thing that you can do is clam up and, and not talk. You know, if a, if, a, if a journalist rings you up and says, we heard that you've been underpaying your staff or that, um, you know, some of your work is a little bit dodgy um, and that, you know, council's investigating you, have a chat you don't have to say a lot but um at least give them something i think there's nothing worse than when you get to a bottom of a story and you say joe brown was contacted by the toowoomba chronicle or by you know by the local newspaper uh and declined to comment mm. or was not available for comment guilty um, guilty as charged you know <laughs> say something you know uh it doesn't have to be a lot but you know, at least answer the phone call, at least give them something a little bit to work with. Um, you know, if you've done something wrong, unfortunately, you know, it, it's you're going to be in trouble. But, um, mm. you know, it's, it's always better for me, I think, if you can control the, the, the thing to an extent. Is there any truth to what you see on TV? I see it all the time. And the politician, for example, is talking to a journalist and they'll say, this is off the record. Is there any such thing as off the record or is everything fair game? <laughs> uh, there's different versions of, of off the record. And mm-hmm. as a journalist, um, you, it, it, it's your job to um, to figure out which version it is. And it's usually as simple as sort of saying, is this off the record in that it doesn't go to print at all? Sure. <laughs> Is this off the record as in you're happy for me to put it in the paper but not put your name to it? Knowing, sure. knowing that if 
I, you know, if something comes back on on me that, you know, we might have to reveal our, our source, you know, albeit confidentially, um, and or, um, you know, there's one which is which is technically not off the record but where they say, you know, this is off the record. You didn't hear it from me but, it, you know, you might be able to find <laughs> it out from somebody else. <laughs> um <laughs> It's really unfortunate that sometimes we do, you know, this perception comes across that anything you say around the journalist could end up in the paper. It's really not the case. Like, you know, we we have a, a very sort of detailed and, and stringent code of ethics that we, we work to. I mean, obviously there's going to be cowboys that, that break that from time to time, but um, anything that someone says... If we put it in the paper, we're liable for that. So if you say something defamatory, if you say something that's untrue and we put it in the paper, we're just as much responsible for those comments as the person that said them. So as a journalist, we have to act professionally and and make sure that, you know, what we're what we're printing is is, you know, honest and, and accurate. So, you know, off the record things Sometimes people use that as a bit of a way to have a dig at somebody, you know. We're not interested in that kind of stuff, you know. If we sort of get a bit of an idea that it might be not entirely fair or honest, you know, we just forget about that kind of thing. So, mate, uh, there's there's so much information in there and I'm sitting here with so many questions I could ask you about this <laughs> um, and, and I won't make this a three-hour episode. I guess... By way of wrapping up, I've got, I've got two more questions. Um, one is, if if we've got someone listening to this going, okay, yeah, I think I want to have a crack at this, you know, um, is there, like, should they go and do a course? Should they hire a copywriter? Is there support they could get? Um, I know you've given a lot of tips, but is there something they should go on and, and do first? And my second question is, what do you wish every tradie would do? Uh, look, if you can afford to have somebody doing a bit of work for you, you know, in a professional capacity, um, you know, if you're, you know, sort of one of those medium to larger size businesses, I guess that, um, you know, might be working on some some bigger projects, you know, not just sort of your, your run-of-the-mill everyday jobs, it could be, you know, there might be some benefit to having a, a, a PR person as such, even if it's... Not necessarily like a uh, a full time professional, someone within your company that has a bit of an ounce, a bit of a way for speaking, that that does that kind of thing for you. There's probably you know you, you could argue that there's some benefit there. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a um, a necessity though. You know, for for tradies, I think just as long as you know you're passionate about what you're doing and you're responsive and and sort of professional with with the media you know like i said just keep working on those relationships they won't pay off straight away necessarily but it 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 will work out in the end you know or it should work out in the end um the other thing as i said and i've talked to to you about this a fair bit when you're dealing with people and i think this is something that every tradie should already be doing anyway. If you're dealing with the media like you're dealing with a client or a business partner, 
return your phone calls. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Simple if stuff. Eh? Somebody leaves a message for you, ring them back. Even if you're busy and you know that you can't speak to them, ring them back. Uh, that's that's a really big one. Um, you know, there's nothing worse than sort of thinking you've lined up a story and someone says to you, okay, you can call me tomorrow at 10 o'clock. So you call them at 10 o'clock and they say, oh, I'm a little bit busy. Okay, if you're busy, that that's fine. Um, we understand. If you say call me back in an hour, make sure you call, like when they call you back in an hour, answer the phone. Mm. Um, you know that that's something I think every trader should probably be doing that anyway. You know, if you're yes. not mm-hmm. if you're not returning your phone calls, I think you're probably missing out on a on a bucket load of business. But that that's probably the biggest one is just returning phone calls. Or if you say you alternatively, if you say I'm busy right now, I will call you back. Call them back. Mm. Don't go away and forget about it, and then ring them the next day because the next day. I've already found something to fill the hole in the paper and you've missed your chance. So call people back or answer your phone. I've got one final question. Who is your favourite comic character? (laughs) Spider-Man. Straight out, flat. Yeah, if I could get my leg up a little bit higher. We'll put a photo on the the, uh, website in the show notes of Gibbo's Spider-Man tattoo. Um, the the crazy thing being that I have like a morbid fear of of spiders. I know it's this weird, it's this weird so, paradox with you, mate. So my you know my chances of being Spider Man are pretty slim because I'll never be near a radioactive spider. Uh, you know, when we're moving things around the house, actually, not too long ago, uh, I was helping my wife move something out of the car, a, a chair or something like that. She just kept backing me back like out of the car and I thought mm, all right you know I'm like oh, we should be turning now to head towards the door but um you know she was backing me back towards the spider web she could see hanging from a tree knowing full well that I you know <laughs> have a fit and do the invisible karate man type thing you know just like chopping away at it I dropped the chair and you know not very far obviously it was just a long awkward chair but um table Sorry. And, but, yeah, she sort of took great delight in that. Other things like, you know, I was a little bit late to the gym this morning because some spiders have made their home in, on my veranda, so I had to <laughs> negotiate them. negotiate the, the front veranda, get around all the spider webs. <laughs> so you're okay with Spider-Man, just not spiders. Exactly, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. If, if I can somehow gain those powers without being bitten by a spider, that'd be great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's definitely Spider-Man. I, I sort of, I really love. There's a big story there that I could <laughs> talk about how Stan Lee sort of went against everything that everybody told him about why Spider-Man wouldn't work as a character. But uh, he, he did his thing and said, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to stick to it. And, and I think it's now one of the longest continual superhero comics in history. So hmm. all because he went, no, this is my passion. I'm sticking with it. I like Spider-Man. I think Superman's a bit wimpy and weak. I mean, I know he's strong and stuff, but he's just, I don't know, he's a bit flat. It's the undies on the outside thing. I just can't deal. Oh, no. Can't deal with the doesn't undies Spider-Man on the outside. Doesn't Spider-Man have him on the outside? He no, doesn't wear undies. Yeah, no, he just he wears a onesie. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> onesies are okay. Onesies Batman's are all right. Fashion. Yeah, well, that's I don't mind he's Batman. Cut. Well, his suit is yeah, anyway. Yeah, he's cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Uh, look, we could probably talk to Gibbo about superheroes and comics for a long time, I suspect. And there was a sneaky little message there in, in the old Spider-Man thing, you know, going against what uh, other people mm-hmm. tell you won't work. So thanks for that, Gibbo. That was a little uh, gold nugget at the end there. In the gem. Mate, um, I do want to give a quick shout out to the fact that uh, apart from being the sports editor at the Toowoomba Chronicle, which is a pretty good gig, mate, I have to say, I was pretty stoked for you when you when you got that uh, promotion, essentially, and it's very impressive. Um, but you also you're a writer, obviously, um, and you have a blog as well. I uh, do. So can you just tell our listeners if they do want to go and find out more about the man who is Gibbo, otherwise known as Jason Gibbs, or or your blog, mate? Uh, what's the best way to do that? Uh, on Facebook, I haven't updated in a little bit while because I've been a bit slack. But um, I'll, uh, on Facebook, we've got the Kettlebell Press, mm-hmm. which is um, you know where I sort of write more about my personal CrossFit journey. Some of those discussions we've had whilst I'm lying on the floor <laughs> gasping for breath, I've then gone and 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 written down. Alternatively, a great little company that, you know, I'm a big fan of, Fortify Gear, F-O-R-T-I-F-Y Gear, G-E-A-R. They're a local business, business, Brisbane business that does some fitness gear, knee sleeves and things like that. I've actually started writing for for them recently. Um, They're some of my... Uh, blogs there as well there's a little bit about me and just a little bit about uh, crossfit and and life in general there um where you can get a bit more of a taste for my writing as well good stuff mate well we'll put the links to your blog and to fortify gear in the show notes so listeners make sure you go to tradiesinbusiness.com.au and check out today's episode with gibbo we'll put the links in there and uh, I'll snap a quick photo of his very impressive calf uh, and his Spider-Man tattoo, <laughs> and we'll put that in the show notes as well so you can see how serious this guy is about Spider-Man and Stan Lee. So, mate, uh, thanks very much for your time today. It's been awesome having you in the Toowoomba studio. Thanks, Gibbo. Cheers. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> That's good, mate. And, uh, yeah, go and, go and talk to your local paper. Go talk to your local journo. Um, find out who they are. Go buy a local paper. There you go. That might be something new. And get their email address and send them a press release. Or if you've got an idea for a story, just hit them up. You might be surprised. I know I've been published a few times. I've been on Radio 2UE and uh, ABC Radio over in Perth just commenting on things because I stuck my hat in the ring and they went, oh, yeah, this guy's got something good to say. Um, So sometimes it can be that easy. Uh, It's not as scary as it sounds. Definitely. And you're not a scary-looking guy, Gibbo. No, far from it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Except when you're in the gym. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, mate. Appreciate your time. Cheers. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business, and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.